This is Delegate Kirk Cox. As you know, this year there'll be a very challenging year in the General Assembly on life issues. Several very tough bills have been already filed. One would end the ultrasound requirement, which has helped so many women see that child in the womb and really caused them not to have that abortion. And also we've had an informed consent bill uh, on the books for years where minors have to get consent. That would go away. And so it could be a very tough session for us. Last year, so many of you attended the rally at the Capitol, thousands, to basically help block a bill that would allow all third trimester abortions. But there's still great organizations, especially to help the pro-life cause. I'm going to turn it over to Tammy Dumpkin, who's going to tell you a lot about the Crisis Pregnancy Help Centers and what they do. Hi, my name is Tammy Duncombe. I'm the Client Services Coordinator at Pregnancy Help Center of Chesterfield. And what we do there is we show our clients little babies like this. You might be asking, what does this have to do with Pregnancy Center? Well, some of our clients come in with an unplanned pregnancy and they're looking for education and they're looking for options as to what to do next. And so the reason we show them this baby is this is a baby that is at 12 weeks conception. And that's a really magic number in pregnancy because at 12 weeks, a baby is fully formed. They have their brain, their eyes, all of their organs, their heart is beating. And so by showing, being able to show them this, we're able to tell them um, what, what they're carrying inside them. And it helps them begin the process of making an informed decision with their unplanned pregnancy. Now there's other things that we do at the center as well. We offer classes, they're called Earn While You Learn. So our clients can come to the center on a weekly basis and they can take classes from um, conception to understanding what's going on during their pregnancy, uh, the hormones that they're experiencing, and then once the baby is born, we're able to continue to do classes with them up until their child's second birthday on infant development, parenting, all kinds of things that helps them become a better parent. We're also able to minister to them as well. If you would like to know more about how to be a part of what we're doing, please look at your insert in the church bulletin, and it'll tell you how to get online, fill out an application, and start being a part of what God is doing at Pregnancy Help Center at Virginia. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. And good, good morning again. Uh, good to see you all here today. want to thank uh, Kurt Cox, a delegate in our assembly, and, and uh, Tammy Duncombe with the Pregnancy Help Center uh, here, and more importantly, both wonderful members of our church family, uh, helping us today think about Sanctity of Life. Today is Sanctity of Life Sunday. That's not just something for the heights that is acknowledged, recognized throughout America and in all kinds of churches uh, that obviously began back when, when Roe v. Wade passed and abortion became a part of, of what America was. And, uh, you know, folks, as, as we come up on a day like today where we're, we're thinking about honoring and respecting life, uh, we have a lot of issues going on in America. We, we have a lot of issues going on in Virginia. We, those issues hit each of us differently. We might prioritize them a little bit differently. Um, 
I, th- I think many of us, maybe one thing we would have in common is we would call out to God on those issues, wouldn't we? we we'd want his help, his guidance, his blessing, his protection as our nation, as our commonwealth kind of works its way through these various issues in our country. But I'm under the belief, and it's, it's an opinion, but it, 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 my opinion, um, I, I don't know how we call out to God for anything and anticipate he would hear and move. When we kill a baby that's being born. I'm not saying that's the only issue. I'm not saying that's the only issue of honoring and respecting others. Honoring and respecting life that we have. We have some significant issues. But when we're a nation that it's grown so much when we talk about the the issue of abortion. To where now our, our own governor... Uh, and, and the majority that will lead our assembly want, want the opportunity to, to say that abortion is, is legal and a choice right up to the point that the baby is being born. Um, I, I just don't believe what, wherever else a, an issue ranks in my heart that, that we can call out to God when we will kill the absolute most innocent and most vulnerable in, in our culture. And so that's why we have this day in America. That's why we acknowledge it here at the Heights is this is a time for all of us as a church as a whole, for us as individuals to be thinking about, hey, what role am I playing at honoring, at, at respecting life? Uh, with the two that we just heard here, we, hey, I get to be aware politically and therefore prayerfully. Uh, Tammy with the Pregnancy Help Center, I, I love what goes on there. It's, it's an opportunity not just to say something is wrong, but then to go alongside somebody that is maybe walking into that decision and help them for two years all, all the way up into the life of that that child, educating, providing, doing so many wonderful things. And so it gives each of us a chance to think about where and how and in what ways am I honoring and respecting life so that I can call out to God on the other issues and things that are going on in America and in our commonwealth. And, and we can certainly all do that together right now. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I, we, I bow, we bow before you to ask your forgiveness. That, that we are a part of a culture that for now close to 50 years um, has done this. And even now is looking for more aggressive, more violent ways to take this as far as it can go. Lord, we ask your forgiveness and we ask for your help in guiding our way out. Uh, Lord, as, as we understand where various individuals and platforms have fallen, it seems like this could, will get potentially worse in the Commonwealth of Virginia. And Lord, Lord, I pray that it wouldn't. And Lord, as I pray that, I say, help my unbelief. I don't, I don't believe my own prayer. Lord, I pray that, that our leaders would would weigh and hear right and good information. I, I pray they would write and hear godly biblical counsel. I pray that they would change their hearts on what they're doing. And Lord, where they won't, I pray that you would frustrate their plans, you would confuse their plans, you would divide them and keep them from coming to fruition. Please don't let us go any deeper into this, Lord. Father, I pray that you'd guide each of us individually into what we can do, what we should do to be a part of respecting and honoring life. Life is from you. 
And we do well to respect and honor all life, beginning with that innocent, vulnerable life of a baby. We ask for your help in all of this. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. Well, a heavy issue, a heavy prayer, but we... We turn now and, and move on into our, our message for the day. You know, we've said now in 2020 that our theme this year is to be one who, who leads one. And uh, probably as any theme does for me in January, it gets me kind of excited. But, but this one really has me excited just asking, what if? What if every single one of us did lead someone? What if every one of us led someone to worship? And yes, worship could be defined as a service, kind of like Ronnie was talking to us about a moment ago. We're leading someone to a worship service, but we've kind of defined this a little bit broader in saying just encouraging, helping somebody to consider Christ and his worthiness of worship, his worthiness of being followed, his, his worthiness of our faith. What if every one of us led someone, encouraged someone to connect not just go to a building that has a lot of strangers in it, not, not just do something in some kind of organized religious fashion, but actually become a part of a family, a family of faith where we, where we follow our Savior together, love and worship Him together, serve Him together. Man, what if? And you know, we don't have to have just like a blank slate and wondering what if. It's I think it's very knowable what would happen. Man, we're joining God in his purposes. We're joining God in his desires. And the the Bible tells me when I join God's purposes and desires, he starts blessing my purposes and desires. Man, think of the places in your life right now you really want to see God move and work and act and change and, and bless. Well, it's not a mystery how we get there. It's not a mystery how that happens. We join God in, in what he's doing. Be one who leads one. And folks, that's something every one of us can do. God has not made a way to strength and to life only available to a very few. You know, if you're really strong, if you're really brave, if you're really smart, if you're one of the titled, if you're one of the official, well, then you can do... No, it's, it's every single One of us, every one of us, we've looked at this biblically. No matter where we are, we can lead, we can encourage, we can help one. So we've looked at being one who leads one to worship, be one who leads one to connect, and today, be one who leads one to serve. Now, this is the first one I've thrown at you. I thought, you know, they might scratch their head on this one. I get it why I want to lead somebody to see Jesus, to connect with the body of Christ. But is that my job, to lead somebody to serve? Man, I'm so glad y'all are asking that right now. Let's see if maybe Jesus has an answer for us this morning. Would you look with me at Mark chapter 10? Mark chapter 10. That's about three-fourths of the way through your Bible. Mark is one of the... The Gospels in the area of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that's where you'll find it. Mark chapter 10, reading just a few verses this morning, beginning in verse 42. Mark 10, verse 42. It says, And Jesus called them to him and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them, but it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. 
And whoever would be first among you must be a a slave. That's a rough word. I want to be a slave of all? Verse 45, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So the disciples are all kind of gathered together, the 12 of them and, and Jesus. And I imagine they're probably singing a big chorus of when we all get to heaven, right? Clapping and doing all of that. And it's in the midst of that that James and John raise their hands and say, hey, hey, listen, since we're talking about heaven, when we get there, could, could my brother and I, could we have, I mean, under you, of course, Jesus, Could we have the absolute highest places of honor and authority in all of heaven? Now, the way they said it is, could we sit at your right and at your left? It's not a phrase. That's not a concept we really use in our culture. But that's what they were saying when they said, could we sit at your right and left? We want the absolute highest places of honor and authority. Would you imagine the next second was kind of quiet Like one of those moments where you think, did they just, I'm guessing you could hear a pin drop, which would be something because it's probably a dirt floor. Did they really just ask that? I mean, this is, this is crazy. And you know what? I really haven't painted just how bad it was because in fact, they were not singing when we all get to heaven. Actually, what was going on, and you can travel back up to verse 32 and start following and see this. Jesus was walking with the disciples. They're on the way to Jerusalem. And Jesus says, hey, when we get there, things are going to roll out pretty bad for me. It, it's, it, I'm, I'm just, I want you all to know, you know, we're kind of just walking down the road, enjoying ourselves. We're, we're about to, I'm about to enter a really bad moment. And I'm, I'm going to be arrested and rejected, suffer greatly, and ultimately be nailed to a cross and, and die. And out of that statement, James and John, well, if you're leaving, you know, when we're all back together, could we... Could we, how, how does that happen? How, do, how does anybody think that that ought to be the next thing out of my mouth after Jesus has just said that? I mean, you talk about, I don't even, do you call that insensitive or just obtuse to the nth degree? You know, as I say that, I feel bad here because I, I want us to love and appreciate James and John. Uh, James and John are good guys. Like you would actually be doing pretty well to kind of get make them a target. Hey, if I could be like James and John for the rest of my life, you'd be on a good path. These are good guys who are going to well serve Christ, who are going to well serve his family, the church. And so as I read them having just absolutely the dumbest thing I think could come out of their mouth, it's just a reminder to me that really, really good people can have a really, really bad moment. Really good people can really tweet, post, and text something really stupid. (laughs) What a little reminder to us here. Now, that's assuming that there's a broader way to understand, but haven't we gotten to where we just, I'm going to define you, I'm going to hate you, I'm going to condemn you over 140 characters. And maybe, maybe so, but really good people really can 
tweet something really stupid. And James and John just showed us that. Because these are good guys, and I can't imagine a worse moment. It says, it says the other ten were indignant. That's not a word we use a lot. It means really, really angry. What do you think they were angry about? Probably like coming to Jesus' defense. Guys, how could you say that after what? No, that's not what they're thinking. They're mad because James and John jumped in line. They're mad because they thought to ask it before they thought to ask it. I mean, they're, ah! And so there, there's this kind of this moment where everybody's kind of arguing. Ah, you wouldn't even be good in that position. And, and that's where Jesus speaks. That, that's where we arrived at in verse 42. That's the conversation. That's what's happening when Jesus says, hey, whoa, everybody just slow your roll for a second. Let's, let's think. I mean, y'all brought it up. Let's, let's think about it. Let's think about leadership. Let's think about what we honor. Let's think about authority and power. And he, and he says here, you know, when you look out at the Gentiles, not, that's, that's not how we're going to say it. Probably what we would say is, hey, you know, when you look out there at the world, what gets lifted up? What gets honored? What's on the front, what's on the front cover of the magazine? And there's a lot of things on the front cover of a magazine. But I'll tell you something that always makes the cover of magazines is... What Jesus is referring to here, power. Power makes the cover of magazines. What are we, what are we doing with power? You know, I, I think in America, oh boy, I think I can say this. I think, we, I think we do about as well with power as anybody, maybe. You know, I've, I've been reading, I mean, you've been able to read for, really for decades. I've read a book just recently published in the last probably year or two, business books. Corporate leadership, corporate management, just leadership in general. And it's not uncommon to come to a chapter that's entitled Servant Leadership. As a matter of fact, some of these secular books, they're they're not being written by Christians for Christians, secular business books, secular leadership books, will even acknowledge Jesus as the originator of servant leadership. Now, they don't refer to him like he's the son of God or a savior, but more like a, you know, a one-time famous guru or a philosopher. But they'll refer to servant leadership. So you really can find throughout America, I mean, a kind of an idea of we, of team, of, of what's good for all of us and, and servant leadership. I, I mean, I'd like to think maybe we're kind of like one of the good examples. And in the midst of the very good examples, we still honor power. And I'm not talking about power over butterflies. Y'all get that, right? I don't think anybody's made a cover of something because of their power over butterflies. And we're not talking about power over one or two people. No, what's power? Power's power over masses. Power to move masses in the way that, that I want. But what Jesus says, you know, that may make the cover of your magazines. It doesn't make the cover of God's magazine. True leadership, true authority, true power. What God measures is not who you can move, but who you can who you can serve, who you can serve. And we see Jesus here. Okay, I see where he's going. We got another rule, another thing I got to do, work my way into heaven. I thought trying to pray and not cuss and go to church periodically was enough. But now I got to serve. Sir, have you seen some of the people out there to serve? Jesus isn't throwing another rule at us. He's not throwing, here's one more thing you gotta, you gotta do. You gotta serve. Some, do you see? He's, man, he's showing his heart here, isn't he? 
He's showing us the character of, of himself, the character of, of God. And then he lays out this incredible illustration. He says, consider me. Now, keep in mind how this started. James and John said, hey, we want the right and the left. Now, that technically means, Jesus, we do see you at the top of the food chain. We see you as the power of all powers, king of all kings, lord of all lords. Okay, you've already said, you've already acknowledged that I'm the most powerful, but I didn't enter the room to be served. I didn't enter the room to show how I could make you an individual or the masses do what I want. I didn't come. Listen, I'm not just saying this for you. I didn't come here to be served, but to, to serve. And, and, and he uses this illustration of, of, of himself. You know, you stop and think about it. Would Jesus be wrong if he had showed up to be served? If he had showed up to be applauded? I would suggest no. I, I would suggest there's never been another. There never will be another. There would be nothing more appropriate than for Jesus to enter the room right now for no other reason than you and I to have an opportunity to applaud him and serve him because that's when my soul is going to be at its very fullest, its very healthiest, its very strongest. Jesus wouldn't be doing anything wrong to walk through there and say, I'm here to be applauded. I'm here to be served. And it's that one. That said, no, no, I, I entered the room to serve. And he did, he did serve. He washed our feet. He, he, he fed our poor. He, he helped those hurting. You know, he, he, gave, he gave acceptance and peace to people that had only experienced rejection and, and turmoil. He served with forgiveness he, he served with, I mean, kind of what he's doing, right? He served with teaching. I don't know that we think of teaching as, as an act of serving, but you think about Jesus' teaching. He's giving something that none of us have the ability to know. We, we know there's no dots I can connect without Jesus giving, without Jesus serving me in this way. And he just, he just woke up. He just walked Walked into life and physical needs, emotional needs, mental, relational needs just popped up and, and he met those needs. And all of those things are not the great need he met. What did he say here? I came to serve in all these ways, but, but ultimately at tremendous cost to buy you out of slavery. Buy you out of slavery to sin. We took a moment, just a moment, to try to acknowledge and remember what that's supposed to mean in our lives at the Lord's table today. That, that what was the cost of purchasing me out of slavery? It was his broken body and his spilled blood. And he didn't purchase me because I'd be a wonderful commodity in, in the things he owned. He didn't purchase me because he saw what I could do. It's just out of love. It was for freedom that he set us free. I think we sang about that. <laughs> That's the greatest need, our eternal, our most significant need. You know, I don't think we can even come close, close to grasping how Jesus served us. I think that a lot of us want to and a lot of us try. That's why we're here today, right? I do have, con I have some concept of what Jesus did for me. I, I have some understanding. I want to I grow in that. And to you, to the person who's really trying, I would say, you don't get it. I don't get it. We don't even, we don't even come close. Because we don't understand the depth of our need. We don't yet fully understand eternity and heaven. 
We don't realize how I could do absolutely nothing to resolve that. There's just, I think if we fully, fully grasped it, we would never talk about a need again. It, it, talking, and that's not dismissing any needs in this room right now. There's heavy needs in this room. I mean, there's some real needs in here right now. But honestly, we, we're talking about the needs of pennies when I sit on billions. Christ served us. He served us at great cost to himself. He didn't stop serving because it became too tiring. Because it became too inconvenient. He didn't stop serving because it hurt too much. He, he didn't stop serving because the cost became too high. He didn't stop serving because the person being served was actually beneath him. No, Jesus served the purposes of God by serving by serving you. And look what he's doing here now. Because he's not actual, I mean, teaching. I just called teaching serving. But you wouldn't look at this and think he's modeling serving. You know what he's doing right here for us? He's modeling be one who leads one. He developed an entire platform, an entire life of serving so that he could do what? Rightly call, rightly challenge, rightly encourage these others, his friends, to serve. Be one who leads one. Man, if I'm doing what Jesus did, if I'm following Jesus, then not only am I serving, but I'm looking ways to bring along others in serving. I want to encourage and help others get there. That's exactly what Jesus is doing right here. You know, there's a, I mean, on one hand, I think you could say there's a lot of ways to serve. I want to say there's two ways to serve. (laughs) There's two ways that we're going to serve in life. We need both. It's not one or the other. Both both have some difficulties. Both help us to do something. The first way is, I guess I would call it spontaneous serving, need of the moment serving. This is just me waking up and, and I head into my day and a, a family member, a, a friend, a, a stranger pops up with a, a physical need, a relational need. And I mean, I, I just, hey, that's something I can, that's something I can respond to. And, and, and I meet a need. You, you meet a need right there. It's spontaneous. It popped up and, and I helped out. I did something to do that. Now, I really think this is the heart that Jesus is trying to build in us, don't y'all? Just a little bobblehead will be awesome right here. Yeah, super, okay? Now, the other kind of serving, I think maybe there's a weakness, and, and what's the opposite of spontaneous? It's planned. Okay, well, the problem with planned serving is I have a tendency to, to say, okay, this Saturday from 10 to 12, I'm going to go serve. And at 12.01, I'm done. And I can get now back to the most important thing in life, serving me. <laughs> you see, planned serving has a beginning, it has an end, and, and, and then I'm done. Now, the challenge of spontaneous serving is it's very susceptible to how I feel. If I'm, if I'm too tired, if I'm too busy, if I'm too uncaring, I don't like to think of myself as uncaring. I'm not calling anybody out here uncaring. I'm not, I'm not referring to being uncaring as like a character quality. I'm just saying every single one of us in here has moments where I just don't have the ability to care, right? Because I'm just a little bit overwhelmed at the moment with the mess I've made. 
I'm, I'm a little bit overwhelmed. At, just, just for the moment, I'll be better tomorrow. But right at this moment, I, I'm a little bit overwhelmed with my own need. And every one of us lives there. Every one of us gets there. And I just don't have the ability to see your... I will say that. I just can't see your need right now. It's not that I don't care. But see, that happens all the time. All, all, all the time, I'm, I, I'm too tired, too busy, too, you know. And so the, the, when, when there's this spontaneous serving, which is, I really think, what Christ wants us to be, oh, the beauty of that, I, I, might, meet, I might meet 10, 12, 15 people that I really serve a need in their life this week. Of course, I might also go 10, 12, 15 weeks without serving anybody's need because I just hit... You know, we just, whatever road we're on, we tend to stay there. If I'm on a road of serving, I, I stay there. If I'm on a road where I just kind of get stuck thinking about what I'm over with, all of a sudden the weeks and months are adding up and I'm really not being anything like what Christ was, what he modeled, what he called me to. And so that's where it helps to have planned serving. In spontaneous serving, it's a little bit hard to ask somebody to join me because it's spontaneous. That's just me moving through life. So a person I'm trying to encourage may not be there to say, hey, come along and and join me. But in planned serving, I I can do that. Now, we've already talked about the difficulty of planned serving as I kind of treat it as a beginning and an end and then it's it's over. But a a planned serving really does kind of help me counterbalance. Now, I'm saying that under the assumption that we are people of our word, that we're going to be where we said we're going to be, we're going to do what we said we're going to do. You know, uh, we all just watched for about a half an hour, we watched hundreds, hundred more. How many people were up here, Dale? Do you know? A thousand. Give or take 900. There was a thousand people up here serving. Now, stop and think about You think anybody up here was tired? It had to be one. Think anybody up here had just a really not so good week? Maybe a really bad week? I mean, there had to be one, right? Anybody up here, you think maybe just a possibility, just really overwhelmed with what they're carrying right now? I'm confident all of that was represented up here. But they had a planned place in their life to serve. You know, hey, I am a little bit tired. I am a little bit overwhelmed, but this is what I'm a part of. This is what I'm going to do. And so now it's not going to be 10 weeks. They, they served us. You know, they didn't just pop up out of the floor. <laughs> they practice. They give a lot of time, a lot of effort so that you and I have a few moments of really seeing the greatness and the goodness of our God. Amen. So that's why we have planned serving in our lives, to, to make sure we have a consistency. Ah, but with planned serving, I can also say, hey, you want to join me? Remember, I'm trying to be one who leads. Hey, I've been teaching fourth graders for about six months now. I, I don't know if I'm very good at it, but you want to come watch? You want to come see what this is like? Or, hey, you want to help me serve, oh, a thousand cars? You think that's important? Oh boy, I tell you what, from the moment we pull onto the lot, it sets a heart, it sets an, it's an attitude. You know what, every single thing that happens here is a part of serving a need. Every single thing plays some role. It all, it all works together. You know, there's all kinds of ways to serve. And I, I actually think that you and I should be looking for every place in our neighborhood, at work, at school, on the ball club. Uh, I, I mean, Red Cross, Habitat for Humanity. We ought to be the greatest force for good there is. I mean, the world, just, you know, it's, it's, it's always the Christians that say yes and bring the cupcakes. 
It's always the Christians that will say, yes, I'll stay and turn off the lights. Yes, I'll carry the bag home and bring it back next Tuesday. We, we ought to be the ones doing that. But serving first and foremost starts in the church. I think I need to look for those places, that, but it starts, in, and here's why. Because if somebody gets in bed at night, and the last thought they have is, boy, that Randy Hahn, man, he's good. What a blessing he is to our team. What a blessing he is to our neighborhood. Now, that's a good thing, but they might be able to fall asleep with no thought at all of God. See, I'm, not, I'm not just serving just to be good. I'm serving so that God is seen. Matthew 5, 16, let your light shine before men in such a way that they see your good works and end up thinking how great Randy Hahn is. No, they end up praising and worshiping God. And when we move and work as the body of Christ, it may be a, a, a Randy Hahn or a Joe or a Mary or a Frank or a Sue but they connect it with God. And maybe then the last thought on their mind as they fall asleep is, boy, God is good. And look how I use that person or that group to meet this, this need in my life. We need to be thinking. I, I, I think at the heights, you, you think, I think we need to think about how we serve inside the church. And we need to be thinking how we serve as together we go outside the church. Now, when I say outside, I'm talking about like our Love 804 ministry and all of the things that we do out there. But it starts here. If we're not serving and caring for one another, making this a place that meets needs, then we leave here whining and complaining and disgruntled. And that doesn't make then a great team to go out there and serve, right? But man, if we're caring for one another, loving one another, helping each other, then we go out of here strong. We go out of here healthy and now ready to serve throughout our community. And now I have a place I can say, hey, come join me at doing this. You know, we're actually going to have a, a ministry fair, a serving fair, I guess that's what you could call it, on, on February uh, 23rd, three, four Sundays from now. There's going to be ministries lined up and down the, the hallway out there, the concourse, and just give you a chance to, to, to look, to ask questions. Is this a once a month thing, a once a week thing? Does it hurt? Do you take blood from me? What all is involved in this? You get to ask all your, your questions and understand, but hey, where can I plug in? Where, where can, and if you can't wait till February 23rd, come get me. I'll help you get plugged in this week. We'll, we'll make it happen. But uh, folks, find your spot. You know, I, I can't connect people if I'm not connected. I can't call people to serve, which if I'm modeling Christ, that's what I'm doing. But I can't do that if I'm not serving. You know what God gives us in the body of Christ is a base of operations. A place where we have a chance to consistently do something so that we can go out there and spontaneously do it. That we can consistently do something and be able to call others to join us. Amen? Let's be one who leads one. We have been, we are, and let's do our part to join the team of the last 2,000 years that makes the church the greatest force for good on the planet. Do you realize that's not debatable? I think we've all kind of bought into the lie of the media and education that the church is the problem. We are the greatest force for good on the planet. I can give you a hundred different reasons. Come ask me. But let's make sure we're continuing that. Amen?
Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, may we step up and be our part of the army. May we be step up and be our part as the force for good. May we do that as an individual in our church. And may our church join thousands of other churches to be that force for good all over our, our community, all over our country, all over our world. And Lord, let us see. This whole thing of impacting a world, it starts with me wanting to lead one. Just one. The one you've put in my life. The one you've put near me. Guide us in that, Jesus. We ask for your help now. In your name, amen. Amen. Boy, that 